Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is, oh gosh, what is it? I think it's uh, November 30th, I believe. It's Saturday morning uh, in about an hour. Ohio State, Michigan will be on. I cannot wait to watch that. But first, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, we had Thanksgiving football. We had football yesterday. And a couple games stood out to me and a couple things I want to talk about. I want to start with this. On Thanksgiving, the New Orleans Saints beat the Atlanta Falcons 26-18. to uh, The Falcons made a late push. The Saints won. It was, it was kind of a blowout until the end. Um, but here's what stands out to me in this Saints victory. <laughs> it's not a typical thing I would normally talk about. It's the Saints' third-string quarterback, Taysom Hill. Oh my gosh, I love it. How often do I get a chance to talk about a third-string quarterback? Man, it's so cool. Uh, Listen to this. He had two carries for 33 yards and a touchdown. He also had two two catches for 12 yards and another touchdown. He also threw a pass. That one was incomplete. Okay. Uh, Not to mention the guy blocked a punt. He played special teams. The dude, Taysom Hill, lines up everywhere. I love the way that the Saints use Taysom Hill. Probably one of their, if not... The best athlete is definitely one of the best athletes on their team. He plays receiver, quarterback, special teams, whatever's needed, he shows up. And I can't help but think this, and that's that Taysom Hill is exactly what Tim Tebow could have been in the NFL. Ah, mm, I don't know that exactly is the right word. I think that um, that's a stretch. Taysom Hill's a better athlete than Tim Tebow, but Tim Tebow could have been similar to Taysom Hill if he'd just done one thing. Here's the deal. A third-string quarterback does not normally make a roster spot in the NFL. The Saints have three quarterbacks. They have Drew Brees. They have Teddy Bridgewater. And then, of course, number three is Taysom Hill. And it's rare for an NFL team to have a third quarterback because they don't do a lot. They don't want to have you on your roster if you're just going to hold the clipboard. Some people do it. Uh, The Denver Broncos do. They have Drew Locke, but they placed him on injured reserve for a lot of the time because if you have three quarterbacks taking up three roster spots— and none of, only one of them is playing, that's a really kind of a big deficiency in your roster. And so the Saints said, man, if you're going to take up a roster spot, Taysom Hill, you got to contribute. You cannot just hold the clipboard. And Taysom Hill did the one thing Tim Tebow would never do. He said, yes, coach, whatever you need, I'll do it. Tim Tebow let his ego get in the way. He wanted to be a more traditional quarterback. I'm going to back up. I'm going to be a normal quarterback. I'm not going to line up at receiver. I'm not going to play special teams. I'm not this. I'm not that. And I know, look, there's exceptions. I think he did at some point play an up back on a punt. Uh, But the point is you got to credit not only the creativity and the vision of the New Orleans Saints for the way they used Taysom Hill to get the full potential out of him, but you also have to recognize, man, credit Taysom Hill for his willingness to say, yes, coach, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll go catch passes. I'll go play special teams. I'll go make tackles. I will do whatever it takes to help our team win football games. Now, that's also why he's employed. Don't act like it's just a gesture of goodwill. Taysom Hill gets paid to do what he does. There's a reason for that. Uh, But, man, some quarterbacks let their ego get in the way. Taysom Hill has not done that. You've got to give Taysom Hill credit. He's done whatever it takes to help his football team. I want to end this by sharing his statistics. I'm not a big stats guy, um, but I think the stats here are interesting because of the variation you'll hear when you listen to what Taysom Hill has done. I couldn't track down 
his tackles. Uh, it's hard. To, he's a quarterback, right? It's really hard to find how many tackles a quarterback has. No matter how many stats you track, it doesn't happen. Uh, but this year, he's run the ball 16 times for 127 yards and a touchdown. He's also caught 13 passes. As a quarterback, he's caught 13 passes for 114 yards and four touchdowns. He's thrown three passes. Two of them were complete. He's got 35 yards passing this year. He's got a kick return for 12 yards. He's blocked a punt. Man, it's wild. Taysom Hill plays all over the field, and they use his athleticism. And it's like, it's just interesting to me. That's exactly what Tim Tebow could have been if Tim Tebow had been more willing to branch out. And if, you know, there's also, this is another huge factor in the Tim Tebow thing, is that Tim Tebow had a huge circus, and having him as your backup quarterback when people are chanting for, you know, we want Tebow. It's like, no, our starter's way better. We can't take, we can't put Tim Tebow in. The circus also cost Tim Tebow. Um, but man, Taysom Hill is a cool story. Uh, you just got to credit him. Not only, again, not only the Saints, their creativity and their vision, but Taysom Hill's willingness to do whatever it takes to help his football team, that's cool to me. All right, uh, man, Josh Allen. Josh Allen blew me away against the Dallas Cowboys. I could not believe it. Uh, On Thanksgiving, he was 19 for 24 passing. He had 231 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. He also ran 10 times for 43 yards and another touchdown. He looked polished, man. He's a second-year quarterback. He was making great decisions. He was accurate. He, run around, he runs around a little bit more than I really love. But, like, hey, that's, that's his game. I'm not going to limit his game. It works for him. In fact, there was a play. I don't know if anybody saw it. Josh Allen had a play on fourth and one where he ran a quarterback sneak, didn't get it at first, then had a second surge and a second effort, and, like, ran people over and got, like, four yards. And it's like, whoa, okay, uh, not many quarterbacks in the NFL are doing that on a quarterback sneak, just powering their way forward for four yards. It was awesome. Um, here's what's cool to me. Not only did Josh Allen's accuracy really, really impress me, and that's a thing that, you know, coming into the NFL draft process, uh, I was skeptical of, and it was a problem. Right? His accuracy was not up to snuff. He's worked on that. Josh Allen looks like a better quarterback. But then his decision-making, man, oh my gosh. Against the Dallas Cowboys, he looked refined. He looked awesome. And I'm going to be very, very honest. Uh, Buffalo Bills fans are going to crucify me for this. They're going to be very angry. Um, I, I, I think here's, you can be angry at me if you want. At least I'm being honest. I've only watched two Buffalo Bills games all year. I watched the Bills and the Patriots, and then I watched the Bills and the Cowboys just the other day. Uh, now, look, I watch the highlights. I follow the numbers, but it's not the same as sitting down and watching an entire football game. I've only sat down and watched two entire Bills games twice this year. Again, you can get mad at me if you want. At least I'm honest. I don't pretend to see everything. I just tell you how it is. Uh, there's 32 NFL teams. I can't follow every single team every week. Um, and I, you ever see somebody, um, I don't know, here's a good example. I went to college, and I went far away for college. So you would see a friend of yours, like, in August. Then you'd leave for school for five months. You'd come back in December, at, you know, Christmas break. And suddenly you're like, oh, man, <laughs> you got a giant beard. And you gained 20 pounds of muscle. You're like a totally different person. That's a true story that really happened with my best friend Elijah. Um, and that's how I feel about Josh Allen. I feel like I haven't seen Josh Allen in a long time. And he's suddenly a totally different quarterback. It's like, wow. I mean, like, I get a lot of messages from people. Bill's fans are like, you got to watch Josh Allen. He's progressing. And I look at the stats and his numbers look better every week. But I'm like, okay, well, incompletions. If I don't see the incompletions, maybe they're awful throws that are dropped, interceptions. Who knows, right? 
Okay, I, I watched and I saw with my own eyeballs. Wow, okay. Josh Allen is progressing. He looks different. He looks like a whole new quarterback. I'm telling you, Bills fans, the ones who have been sending me messages for weeks and months are not wrong. I cannot wait to do a film analysis of Josh Allen and really track his progression as a quarterback. Because what I saw on Thanksgiving was a totally different quarterback than I saw week four against the New England Patriots. Now, again, he was playing against the Patriots defense, but he had three interceptions against the Patriots, and they were bad decisions and just looked, he looked unpolished. I was like, this is not okay. And then maybe it's a good lesson for me and a good reminder that you just got to be patient with quarterbacks. You know, he's in his second year. Really, we should raise the expectations of Josh Allen next year in his third year. But man, his progression looks really, really good. And if you're a Bills fan, you got to feel good. You know, the Bills are 9-3. and three. It feels like they've arrived. Um, and I, I am just, man, it's cool to me. I'm going to watch. There's a couple of Bills games coming up. I cannot wait to watch. Next week, the Buffalo Bills play the Ravens. It's a huge game. And then three weeks from now, they play the Patriots in Foxborough, Massachusetts at the Patriots. Oh, my gosh. I'm going I'm to try. There's three games coming up. I'm going to track the Ravens game. I'm going to watch that in its entirety. I'm going to watch the Patriots and the Bills again, their rematch in, in three weeks. And then week 17 to end the year, a game that I don't think people are really like anticipating heavily, but it's the Jets and the Bills. The Bills host the Jets. And, um, you know, the Jets have been playing weirdly good recently. It's Sam Darnold versus Josh Allen. And a good opportunity for Josh Allen to go, hey, I'm the better New York quarterback. Um, by the way, the state of New York, man, they got Daniel Jones, Josh Allen, Kyle, you know, Sam Darnold, three young quarterbacks in that state that are, you know, really interesting, fun prospects. Um, but I got to say, look, I've been very, very critical, and it's taken a long time for me to embrace Josh Allen. What I saw on Thanksgiving is easy to embrace. That's phenomenal by Josh Allen. I want to give him credit. Again, I, I want to say I cannot wait to do a film analysis of him. It's probably going to be after the year. Uh, but man, it was really, really cool. I just, uh, I really enjoyed watching Josh Allen on Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, oh boy. <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys got embarrassed on their own field on Thanksgiving. They lost to the Buffalo Bills 26 to 15. And uh, the Cowboys are now six and six. Let that sink in. They're a 500 team. It's week 13. Like it's, they're, they're, a, they're a six and six as a football team. Now they lead their division because their division isn't very good. But there are two fan bases in the world of sports. Like a lot, a lot of, like any f- sports fans kind of delusional. Every sports fan thinks their team is the next, you know, great football team or great basketball team or baseball team. But there are two fan bases in particular that I think are more delusional than everybody else. It's Notre Dame football. Oh my gosh, Notre Dame. Please for the love, you're a religious university, for the love of God, join a conference. You're not better than Michigan. You're not better than USC. You're, you're a, a, a very solid football program. I don't know why Notre Dame thinks so highly of themselves. They're like very, they have unrealistic expectations of their program. Notre Dame fans are like, come on, guys. You're just a football team. Join a conference. Make your lives easy. You're not better than everybody. They seem kind of snobby. And then the other fan base that's very delusional about their franchise and about their football team are Dallas Cowboy fans. The Cowboys are 6-6. Six and six. Let's be honest. They, they always talk about Super Bowl expectations. You're a 500 team. 
six wins and six losses. It's it's just I know I sound like I'm trolling, but the Cowboys are a team trying to get back to greatness. They're not a great team. They're trying to get back to greatness. Notre Dame is trying to get back to greatness. Notre Dame thinks that they're the, the Notre Dame's like, oh, we are Notre Dame. No, you're Notre Dame. And you're trying to be Notre Dame. You're trying to get back to greatness. The Cowboys are not great. They're trying to get back there. They have the pieces, I think, to do it. But the biggest issue right now for the Dallas Cowboys is their coaching. And I think, honestly, somewhat ownership. Uh, The Cowboys have a really, really talented roster. And I'm not sure that you pay Dak Prescott $35 million. That's a high number for me. But it's pretty clear you got to pay Dak Prescott some amount of money. He's a franchise quarterback. I know a lot of people hate me for the things I've said about Dak Prescott all I've said is, I don't feel comfortable paying Dak Prescott $35 million. That's not that outrageous, but you definitely, I can acknowledge, you got to pay the dude something. He can play. He's a quarterback in this league. And, you know, them being 6-6, six and six, them having a 500 record is not his fault. You know, not only statistically is Dak Prescott having the best year he's had of his career, it's also on the tape. If you watch film, Dak Prescott, again, not a guy I'd pay $35 million, but he's Having his best year of his career, that's what the film says. That's what the numbers say. Dak Prescott, you can't deny that. So if your quarterback's having the best year of his career and your roster's really good, you got a great running back, you got a great defense, you got, I mean, look, man, your front seven is loaded. I love Leighton Vander Esch. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and you got a great receiver, Amari Cooper. What's going on? The only logical next step is, well, the pieces in Dallas are being mismanaged. It's a coaching issue. Jason Garrett, the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, will be fired after this year. Now, people say he's going to make it through the rest of the year. That's our reports say. Uh, I believe that. I think, you know, why, it doesn't, what does it help to fire Jason Garrett now? It just embarrasses him. It makes Jerry Jones look vindictive. Um, and honestly, the worse the Cowboys keep doing, <laughs> the better it is for them. They'll get a better player in the draft. So I keep Jason Garrett around. Why, why, you have like, what, five weeks left, four weeks left of the NFL season? Why ruffle feathers now? They have four games left. Okay, finish the year. Now here is what I think did it for me. This is the final straw that I think went be go, oh, Jason Garrett's done in Dallas. It actually wasn't anything I saw on the field. Jerry Jones, the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, will tell you he doesn't. I, don't, I, I think he would say, I don't care what people think. He does. Jason, uh, Jerry Jones, the, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Did I say head coach? I meant owner. The Dallas Cowboys owner, Jason, uh, Jerry Jones. I'm having a hard time. The, J, the double J's is tough, uh, difficult. Jerry Jones cares what you think. The owner of the Cowboys cares about the public image and the public opinion of him. I started seeing comments, I don't know, like two weeks ago, where people are saying, the Cowboys don't want to win a Super Bowl. The Cowboys are just happy making a ton of money. People started saying this publicly on my videos, sending me messages, saying it on other places. People are starting to say, oh, the Cowboys don't want to win. The Cowboys are happy being good enough, selling a ton of jerseys, a bunch of merchandise. We'll sell mugs and cups and plates with Dallas Cowboys crap printed on it. The, the Cowboys are a very successful business. And when Jerry Jones hears that and people accuse him of not caring about winning and only caring about making money, I think he takes that personally. I would too. Jerry Jones goes, okay, well, I'll show you guys. I'll show you I care about winning. I'm going to fire my head coach. 
I'll tell you. I'll show you. I'm committed to winning football games. That, I think, is what's going on in Jerry Jones' head right now. Did you see him leave the game early? He left early his own football game. I was like, wow, okay. So he's going to fire Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett's done. Uh, he'll, get, he'll give him through the year, and then he'll, he'll pull the trigger. Here's the question, though. Who are they going to hire next? That, that's the only, like, the only question I have. I, I think the Cowboys can win. They have a good quarterback. They have the pieces are there, a good defense. I, I think everything is there. If the Cowboys want to win football games, all the pieces are in place except for one thing. Who is going to be your coach? Is it Jim Harbaugh? Is it Lincoln Riley? Who? I, I have no idea. I, I actually don't know who the best available coach is. Uh, we'll find out, I guess, in January, December. Um, but, man, I will say this. I believe this wholeheartedly. I don't say things unless I believe them. I really believe if the Dallas Cowboys can get the right guy, they can win. They're not. They're a program. They're a, a football franchise trying to get back to greatness and they have everything there they need except for the head coach if they can get the coach right the Dallas Cowboys are a football team that can win and win a lot okay um the University of Washington just won its seventh straight Apple Cup I'm going to repeat that phrase it's very important you hear it the University of Washington just won its seventh straight Apple Cup. And if you don't know, the Apple Cup is the annual game. It's the name given to the annual game between Washington State University and the University of Washington. You know, back in the day, Washington was only known for its really best known for its production of apples. Now, you know, of course, when I think of Washington, I think of Microsoft, I think of Amazon, but back in the day, it was Apple. So that's called the Apple Cup. And at this point, it's pretty clear after seven years in a row winning, UW, University of Washington, we'll call it UW. UW is simply a far better football program than Washington State, from top to bottom, uh, from head coach to the recruits they bring in to facilities. Um, here's a real factor, too, by the way. When you want to bring in recruits, uh, I think your head coach matters and your location matters. And I, I used to go to school at Washington State. I actually, I'm weird. I found Pullman to be a, I didn't love it. I would never want to move back there. But for me, like, I'm an introvert. I don't like traffic. I would rather, honestly, if I had to choose and internet speeds were fast enough, I would probably choose Pullman over Seattle because it's quieter. There's, I hate traffic, and Seattle has awful traffic. But if you're an 18-year-old kid, where would you rather go to school? Cornfields? <laughs> There's nothing out there. I've been to Pullman. You ever been to Pullman, Washington? Not many people have. There's nothing there. Pullman, Washington, if you're an 18-year-old kid from Los Angeles, or would you rather go to Seattle, Washington, where there's a lot of stuff to do. It's pretty. There's some coastal water. It's, it's wonderful. I'm weird. I think I might choose Pullman, but most people are not like me. Most people want the big city and the life that you could have as an 18-year-old kid in Seattle. Um, that matters. Now, also, the bigger question is who would you rather play for? The kind of goofy, pirate, kind of a curmudgeon, kind of cranky Mike Leach? Or would you rather play for Chris Peterson? Chris Peterson is, you know, a clean-cut He's got a lot of energy. He's won before. He won at Boise State. He's winning now. He dominates Washington State. If you had to choose between Mike Leach or Chris Peterson, I think you'd be crazy not to choose Chris Peterson. I don't understand who chooses Washington State over UW. And here's the deal about Mike Leach. He's great for business. He really is. Uh, he sells tickets. He scores a lot of points. He wins enough football games. He gets, 
He gives really interesting quotes to the media. It's like, you know, Washington State fans love it. You know, Mike Leach's weird, crazy tirade and rants about stuff. Now, personally, me, I'm not a big fan of Mike Leach. You know, when I was a kid, I was like eight years old, and I saw the points they put up and the way they threw the ball. I was like, man, I love Mike Leach. Of course I would want to play for Mike Leach. And literally, I'm not even kidding. Ask my dad. Uh, when I was a kid, my dream school was to play for Texas Tech and Mike Leach. And as I grew up and I started to realize, oh, there's more than just points and more than just numbers and statistics. What else goes on? Well, I think, you know, his curmudgeoniness and his, his gruffness, I don't think I'd want to work with that. And let me tell you, as a quarterback, Mike Leach's meetings would drive me nuts. I, I couldn't handle it. He wastes ungodly amounts of time talking about nothing. You go to a film session, you're there for four hours, you spend an hour talking about football. Sounds horrible to me. I wouldn't want to do that. Here's the truth. Mike Leach is in a tiny media market. There's, there's 30,000 people in Pullman, Washington. The people interviewing him are not, they're not the best in their business. He, he's dealing with like the, what is it called? The, the Spokane Tribune. No offense to them. That's not the same media market that Nick Saban deals with. That's not the same, oh my gosh. That's not what you deal with in Los Angeles with USC. No, again, no offense to the Spokane Tribune. I mean, no offense to them. It's just not the LA Times. It's a very different level of media. You, you can dominate that media market. So Mike Leach works in a really small media market, and he's got a fan base at Washington State that has low expectations. They're happy to win six games. You take Washington State's fan base to a bowl game every year, hey, we're happy, we're satisfied. That's enough for us. Give them six wins a year, they've been to five bowl games in a row. That's good enough for Coug fans. Mike Leach should never, ever, ever leave Washington State. If you went to a bigger program with higher expectations or a bigger media market with a, a tougher media circuit, if you went to Tennessee, there was rumors a while back that he would be the Tennessee head coach. He would struggle in Tennessee, in the SEC. Man, I don't think his brand of football and his, his way of coaching would work. There's a very, very telling quote to me um, after last year's Apple Cup. You know, the, they've won seven in a row, UW has, but after the sixth one in Pullman, UW defensive coordinator Jimmy Lake gave this quote. He said, it makes it really easy to game plan when an offense does the same thing every year. Knowing what I read about the head co football coach, he means Mike Leach, knowing what I read about Mike Leach, hopefully he remains here for a long time. I don't expect a lot of people nationally to understand what I'm about to say next, but if you're a, if you're a person who's watched Washington State and UW and watched the Apple Cup consistently over the years, as I have, I've watched you know, <laughs> all of them for the last, I don't know how many years, um, I got a sense of deja vu on Friday when I watched the Apple Cup. It felt like the exact same game I've been watching for years. Two years ago, uh, Luke Falk went into Seattle, and the offensive line really struggled. UW only brought a three-man rush. They dominated. Luke Falk <laughs> struggled, and it felt like exactly the same game again on Friday. University of Washington brought a, a three-man rush, three guys after the quarterback that dropped eight into coverage. Nobody's open. Quarterback holds onto the ball a little too long. And uh, <laughs> Washington State's five offensive linemen at times really struggled to block three guys. Three on five, you got to win. Washington State often could not. 
Now, frankly, I'm not a big fan of Anthony Gordon. I'm not a I'm not a fan is the wrong word there. I'm not a big believer. I think he's a fine dude. I, I, I like nothing against the guy. I don't believe in him as a quarterback in the NFL. And I got a ton of messages and a ton of comments. I made a video saying Anthony Gordon is fool's gold. And, you know, of course, it's a very uh, provocative uh, title. And uh, a lot of people were upset. And then after the game happened, a lot of people were like, oh, you're right, Zach. Anthony Gordon, blah, blah, blah. Actually, oddly enough, um, this game was not entirely his fault. You know, the, the loss that took place, uh, some of it's coaching, man. You know, you can't overcome a coach who will not adjust. <laughs> so I don't, I don't want to put the, the Apple Cup entirely on Washington State's quarterback, Anthony Gordon. A lot of people will. I, I will not. Um, but I do want to stand by a couple things. Number one, Anthony Gordon struggles to read the middle of the field. He really struggles. He gets fooled often by linebackers and safeties, and he misses guys that are open sometimes. You know, he literally, there are people in windows against zone coverages that are open. And then there are times where he straight up doesn't see defenders and throws bad interceptions over the middle. So I stand by that. He's, he's, he struggles over the middle. Number two is that Anthony Gordon is at his worst. You ever heard of the phrase, he's at his finest when he does blah, blah, blah? No, Anthony Gordon is at his worst when he escapes the pocket, runs around, and extends the play. Bad things happen when he extends the play. Interceptions happen. If you noticed and you watched the Apple Cup, oh, both of his interceptions took place when he was extending a play outside the pocket, tried to throw downfield, horrible interception, horrible interception both times. And I will never, ever, ever get over this one thing. There's a, a thing I saw. I broadcasted Utah versus Washington. I've said this so many times now. And when Anthony Gordon was challenged, he knelt, he knelt down. He gave up. He had a bad attitude. He was sullen. He was alone on the sideline. And the game, they were still in the game, and he didn't fight back. Anthony Gordon doesn't do that every time. You know, against Oregon, against the University of Oregon, he fought back. And against Oregon State, he fought back. But the fact that he's capable of that, that at Anthony Gordon's lowest moment, he's moping on the sideline alone, not encouraging the guys around him. The fact that he's capable of that, there's no way I draft him. He's off my draft board. No way. There are things I like. For the record, I got to back up. I got to catch myself here. There are things I like about Anthony Gordon. He does things like he'll work from the left all the way back across to the right side of the field. That's rare for a college quarterback to do that. And he's got a good arm. He can make a lot of great throws. He's got really good mechanics. There are things I like about Anthony Gordon. But the problems to me are too glaring. The fact that he can't extend a play. He struggles over the middle of the field. He gave up against Utah. Three strikes, you're out. Those are three glaring problems to me, and that's why I don't believe in Anthony Gordon. Uh, it's nothing personal, man. I think a lot of people, I think the reason why my video uh, calling him fool's gold didn't land as well, and people thought I was like angry and hate him or something, I think my tone of voice probably came through like I sounded mad. That wasn't my intent. I have nothing against Anthony Gordon. Uh, and, and, you know, Connor Neville came over the other day, a former Washington State quarterback, told me why he believes in him. And I, I hear Connor. Connor and I disagree on that topic. Uh, I don't know who's going to be right. But for those reasons, I wouldn't draft Anthony Gordon. Um, and uh, I, I get a lot of questions about him. I think the Apple Cup was another example of his issues. Okay, um, there was another big Thanksgiving game. On Thanksgiving, the Bears beat the Lions 24-20. to And I feel very conflicted 
about this game. I want to embrace the Bears quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. After this game, I want to be, I really want to embrace him and say, oh, he's great. He's awesome. I'm struggling to do so. Now, number one, you know, Mitchell Trubisky had a good fourth quarter comeback. It was really cool. Uh, They were down 20 to 17 with five minutes left. And he drove his team down the field. He had a big throw on third and five. He had another throw down the right sideline. Both they were to Anthony Miller. And in the end, they scored a touchdown. They won 24 to 20. Mitchell Trubisky drove his team down the field and made big time throws at the end of that game. Awesome. I, I really, I think that's cool. I can acknowledge that. And that's progress for Anthony for, uh, what is it, Mitchell Trubisky. That's really, really cool. And I don't know if you've ever seen a movie that is, I, there's a movie I know called the movie, it's movie Life. It's got Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds. That movie all the way through is pretty mediocre until the end. The end is really special and I have never forgotten the ending. And that's the reason why I think about that movie is because of the ending of that movie. It's just a generic space movie, a, a space horror movie all the way through. It's very bland. It's the same thing you've seen over and over again. And then the movie ends and you go, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's a great ending. And I will never, ever get over the way that movie ended. I feel very similar about this game on Thanksgiving between the Bears and the Lions. Uh, it had a great finish. Mr. Trubisky's, the way he ended that game, bravo. That's, that's wonderful. I will think about that for a long time. But then the rest of the game, the, the, the meat and potatoes, the, the beginning, middle, not the end, but the beginning and the middle, the rest of the game, the first three quarters, were mediocre. I, 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 what do you do with that? What do you do with that? Like, I want to embrace Mr. Trubisky, but he's not playing great. He's okay. And here's why he's okay. You know, I think coaching really played a part. He's got receivers wide open. Nobody wants to give Matt Nagy credit. His play design works for me. I, I think a lot of people hate Matt Nagy. I get it. I, don't, I really don't, actually. I don't understand. But Matt Nagy has guys wide open. That's awesome. That's good play design. But, you know, the Bears barely beat a 3-8-1 and eight, three, eight and one football team. The Lions are a 3-win football team. And Mitchell Trubisky was fine. He had a really bad interception where he threw behind Allen Robinson. He had Allen Robinson wide open on a crossing route, threw right behind him. That's not good. And it had a couple spotty throws. I'm like, I just, I, I want to embrace you. I just, you're just okay. You're fine. He had a really cool play where he extended. Like it was, he was getting tackled in the backfield and he, he escaped and extended it on third down. He threw downfield. I was like, that's a good play. There were moments I liked from Mitchell Trubisky. And he makes progress. He is better than he was a couple weeks ago. And the fourth quarter comeback is awesome. But the reality is, he barely beat a three-win football team. He almost got outshined by the Lions' backup quarterback, David Blow, which is like, okay, David Blau? I don't know how you say his name. David Blau, by the way, is a interesting quarterback. We'll talk about, I really, to me right now, he's a good backup, the Lions' backup, and we'll see more if he plays the rest, more this year. How does he do? But he's, right now, I feel very like, oh, I'm positive about David Blow. Let's see more. And it's cool for Mitchell Trubisky that he had a fourth quarter comeback. I want to, I want to, Go back on this point. Um, but he did it against a bad team. He had a great finish. But the reality is Mitchell Trubisky was mediocre the rest of the game. And so I'm trying to embrace him. I'm going to keep watching Mitchell Trubisky, keep hoping that he, that fourth quarter comeback was great. And I was like, yeah, awesome. I want more of that from you. I want you to make those throws all the time rather than only when it matters. And so I'm glad it happened. I think that's a positive step forward for Mitchell Trubisky, but I'm still struggling to embrace him. It's a good finish and a movie that I'll remember but it's not a great movie. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense, and I hope you understand 
Uh, I, I think, you know, no matter what I say, Mitchell Trubisky fans will hate me and be furious at me. Um, but I am very lukewarm on Mitchell Trubisky. I want to embrace him. I want to love him. And I just don't yet. All right. Okay, I want to end here. I'm going to drink some water first. We're flying through this episode. I can't believe it. Uh, man, it's, we got a great weekend coming up. There's, I'm going to talk about nine games that are awesome this weekend and one game that I think people are totally overlooking. So there are nine great NFL games this weekend I cannot wait to watch. Uh, the first game I want to talk about is the Tennessee Titans at the Indianapolis Colts. Both teams are 6-5. and five. They're in the same division. They're both teams trying to get into the playoffs. And I, I think you should watch the Titans at the Colts. It's going to be an, an intense, really fun game I cannot wait to watch. Jacoby Brissett versus Ryan Tannehill. Uh, man, I, I think you should watch that game. The second game I really am excited to follow is the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think you know this. Two weeks ago, there was a big fight at the end of their game. And now they're rematching. They're playing again. And the, the t- chippiness is something that I'm looking forward to in this game. Here's a better storyline to me, though, is the Steelers benched their starting quarterback, Mason Rudolph. They said, Mason Rudolph, nada. We're going to go with Devlin. Duck Hodges, a guy who played earlier this year, played really well, won a football game. And uh, it was Mike Tomlin, the head coach of the Steelers, gave a really interesting quote about the benching of Mason Rudolph and why they're going with Duck Hodges. He said, you know, Duck Hodges hasn't killed us this year, insinuating that Mason Rudolph's mistakes have cost him victories. And really kind of, he slammed Mason Rudolph with that quote saying, Mason Rudolph's play and the things he's done this year have cost us. I was like, oh, wow. All right. So if you want to watch Duck Hodges and the Browns, you got Baker Mayfield, you got Duck Hodges, you got a chippy football game, the Browns and the Steelers, it's going to be fun this weekend. I I recommend you watch it. Now, uh, here's a game I don't recommend you watch, but I think it is is interesting. It's the Buccaneers at the Jaguars. Both teams are four and seven. Uh, Jameis Winston's a mess. Uh, But here's the storyline I want to follow and what I'm curious about. The Jaguars are 0-2 since making Nick Foles their starting quarterback over Gardner Minshew. If they go 0-3 with Nick Foles, oh, doesn't look good. You had Gardner Minshew playing phenomenal. You replaced him. The fans wanted Gardner. You replaced Gardner with Nick Foles, and you're not even winning because of it? You cannot start 0-3 with the return of Nick Foles. That's a bad, bad look in Jacksonville if that's what happens. Now, here's the game of the weekend. I think there's two games of the weekend. Here's one of them. It's the 49ers at the Ravens. Oh, my goodness, I cannot wait, cannot wait to watch. We have an MVP candidate, really the MVP front runner, Lamar Jackson, against this really stout, really good 49ers defense. And truly, it's the matchup between Lamar Jackson and this defensive line that I cannot wait to watch. Uh, remember the last time the 49ers played an MVP candidate? They played Russell Wilson, and they lost. <laughs> oh, they lost in overtime. The one loss the 49ers have this year is the only other time they played an NFL MVP candidate, Russell Wilson. Uh, I think it's very possible we're going to have a Lamar Jackson victory. But I think what I'm certain of is we're going to have a really intense, really fun, nail-biting game. I think it's going to come down to the end. I recommend th- If you're going to watch one game this weekend, if you had of all the games you could choose to watch, this is the one game. You should watch is the Ravens, excuse me, the Ravens hosting the 49ers on Sunday. 
Here's another game I'm curious about. It's the Rams at the Cardinals. Uh, I think there's a good chance the Cardinals win this game. They have a good, growing, young team. Now, they do play against the Rams have a dominant defensive lineman, Aaron Donald. But pay attention to the Rams at the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals, Kyler Murray is potentially better than the Rams quarterback, Jared Goff. And uh, I think the Cardinals might beat the Rams this weekend um, in Arizona. Now, the Chargers at the Broncos is a mostly crappy game. The Chargers at the Denver Broncos in Denver. Uh, here's the reason why I think you should... I don't know if you watch this game, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it because I'm a nerd. Um, the Broncos are expected to start their rookie quarterback, Drew Locke. The guy out of Missouri, he was a second-round pick, hasn't done anything all year. Has, I don't think he's even played this year. I cannot. Yeah, in fact, he hasn't. I know. Uh, I was talking to my buddy Marcel. Marcel came over. He played with Drew Locke. He spoke highly about Drew Locke's leadership and the way that Drew Locke uh, works with a team and camaraderie. My buddy Marcel, who played with him, loves Drew Locke. I'm excited to watch Drew Locke in his first NFL action on Sunday against the LA Chargers. Now, the Raiders at the Chiefs. Um, I'm, I care about this game for one reason. The Raiders are 6-5. and five. The Chiefs are 7-4, and four. and if the Raiders win, both of those teams will be 7-5 and five and share the top spot in the AFC West. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, it matters. It, the, the positioning in the division is on the line in this game. Can John Gruden really get to tied for first in that division at 7-5? and five? That would be wild. It's in Kansas City. I think the, probably, the Chiefs probably win this game. But man, the storyline is there. It's going to be a fun, wild one. Now, uh, the Patriots at the Texans. It's a huge game in Sunday night football. The Patriots play Deshaun Watson this week, the quarterback of the Texans. He's phenomenal. And next week, the Patriots play against Patrick Mahomes. Oh my gosh. I want you to watch, if you watch this game on Sunday night football, a lot of people will be watching. Pay attention to the way Tom Brady plays. Efficient. Safe football. He doesn't turn it over. He protects the ball. He doesn't take sacks. Um, he's got not a lot of help around him. And, and now people will go, well, Zach, he's got a great defense and a great head coach. Tell me, <laughs> does Bill Belichick pass block? Is the defense catching passes? They're not. Okay. Stop telling me how much help Tom Brady has on offense. He doesn't have a lot of help on offense. Uh, watch the way Tom Brady plays efficient football, takes care of the football and keeps the ball in the hands of his defense, understanding our defense is the best part of our team. I want to play safe football. They might win. Now, here's the question. Deshaun Watson, the Texans quarterback, is crazy good. Can he take down that New England Patriots defense? That's what I want to know. He's the X factor. Kind of like, you know, you hear Nick Saban in Alabama. He does great until he plays a quarterback who can run around. That's kind of the the weakness. The one thing you can't game plan for is a quarterback who can run around. You you can game plan no matter how much you want against Deshaun Watson. He can do things that you just can't scheme for because he's so physically talented. Uh, Deshaun Watson might beat the Patriots this weekend. It might give them their second loss of the year. I am excited to watch it. It should be fun. Patriots at Texans, Sunday Night Football. Got Al Michaels, got, I think, Chris Collinsworth. Man, it's going to be fun. I cannot wait to watch it. Now, the final game of the weekend, uh, Monday night, it's a huge game. Nobody's talking about this game. You know, between Sunday night football, between the Patriots and the Texans and the Ravens and the 49ers, nobody's kind of acknowledging this game exists. The Vikings go to Seattle and play against the Seattle Seahawks. 
Number one, you have MVP candidate Russell Wilson. Uh, most people have him behind Lamar Jackson. You want to watch a good quarterback? You want to watch Russell Wilson on Monday night? I recommend it. It's going to be awesome. But more interesting to me, the storyline I am excited to follow on Monday. This is a big moment for Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins. He's played well in the past. He had a Sunday night game a couple weeks ago. Did great. Beat the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. Last week, he had a big comeback. He came back against the Denver Broncos. I was like, oh, Kirk, you're evolving. We have recently seen the evolution of Kirk Cousins. It's been so fun to watch. Will it continue? He goes to Seattle. He plays a really good football team, an MVP candidate. The Seahawks are 9-2. and two. The Vikings are 8-3. and three. It's a primetime game. Will Kirk Cousins' continued evolution, well, excuse me, will his evolution continue in a big moment on Monday Night Football? That is why I cannot wait to watch the Seattle Seahawks hosting the Minnesota Vikings on Monday night. All right, uh, guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. That is all I have. Um, I do want to say, I say this every single episode, if you're struggling, go get help. Uh, the Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255. You may or may not know, three years ago, February 8th, 2016, my younger brother died. He took his life, and um, I learned two really painful lessons from that experience. Number one is that if you're struggling, go get help. My brother never reached out for help. No one ever, he never told anybody. He, no one had any idea he was having a hard time. I just found him dead in his bedroom one day. And that's um, horrifying, man. It's the worst thing I've ever been through. And uh, he never shared his struggles. And I'm begging you, if you're having a hard time out there, please talk to somebody. Please reach out to somebody. Go get professional help. Do not suffer in silence the way that my younger brother did. And number two, it's uh, another painful lesson is that I didn't do a good enough job as a brother making it clear to Zane that I was there for him, that I cared about him, that I loved him, and he could talk to me. I saw my brother every week. We worked together. We played Halo together. I went to his house. I would drive my Xbox over to his house. I'd settle up. We'd play Halo. We were playing through Halo 2 at the time of his death. And uh, we had very shallow conversations about video games and movies and girls, and we never got past that. We never had a, a deeply meaningful conversation. And I really should have done a better job saying, hey, Zane, I care for you. I love you. If you're ever struggling, you can open up. You can talk to me. I, I'm begging you, if you're out there, don't be afraid to have conversations with more depth, to go deeper than movies and girls and video games or whatever. You can talk about your life and make sure the people in your life know how much you love them, how much you care about them, and that you're there for them for having a hard time. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Uh, we're at about 41 minutes. Man, we nailed. This is a, a very good length for a podcast. I feel great about. Hope you're having a great day. I'm going to enjoy. Literally in minutes, I'm going to be watching Ohio State versus Michigan, and I cannot wait. I hope you have a great weekend. But I'm um, Actually, what am I saying? I'll see you tomorrow. I'm going to see you tonight. I'm going to record again tonight because I'm crazy and I love this, this show. Um, but I'm bum. Bam. We are done.